What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode or a small group podcast here. This is week number four. Um, today, we're going to be going through pages 53 through 63. Um, and uh, just a, a quick announcement, too. So the way small groups is going to work this semester is that every fifth week, we're going to have a, a night of, of prayer. So next week, uh, week five, uh, March the 13th, we're going to be having a prayer night here at the church, and that'll take place of our weekly meetings for small group. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys have been enjoying this journey so far. I know it's been uh, a great, great book so far, learning a lot of good stuff. And uh, yeah, going to jump into some uh, some more amazing things this week as well. Before we do that, though, I think it'd be good, Clay, to kind of maybe just do a little recap and uh, kind of where we are, and uh, maybe even kind of... Uh, just explain the journey so far uh, briefly and kind of clarify some things, and, and sure. then we'll dive into it. So what's your recap? Uh, man, it's been uh, it's been good. It seems like I think uh, I guess a couple of big takeaways is that, you know, we're wrestling with some things I think that, you know, some people feel, feel strongly about in different regards. And when it comes to asking the question of what is the gospel – you know, we have our um, own understanding of that. And um, more than anything, I think the the Lord is, is, is showing me that he has so much more for us. And it's uh, it's so much deeper than we can imagine. It's not just necessarily one particular thing, but um, it, it, it's uh, the gospel is a full picture. And like we've talked about, even going back previous chapters, it is... Um, you know, it, it, it is, yes, I'm a, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and it is, you know, uh, responding to that and praying into that and, and, and being justified in what the Lord Jesus has done and only he could do. But also there's this deeper walk past that that the Holy Spirit then leads us into in terms of um, walking in this very particular way of life. And, and that's what the title of the book is even, you know, practicing the way. And so learning to, I guess, wrestle with, with all of that and, and, you know, be solidified in the justification of, of what Christ has done, but also then being led into this life where I realize that, yeah, it's, I have to, I have to begin to practice some things. I have to begin to put forth some effort in my own life to be disciplined in areas. If I ever want to experience the fullness of what God has for me here. And I think it's probably just seeing scripture and the call of God and the gospel more holistically. Um, I remember one thing that I learned at one point was kind of the difference throughout church history. And you could even break it down into what more or less they would break it down into Eastern and Western church. Mm. I think I even preached a message uh, back around Christmas on the incarnation of Jesus. And one of the things that I talked about was like how the Eastern church, their emphasis on salvation, you know, and Athanasius even made the statement that God became man so that man might become like God, and he actually said become God, which we know we can't become God, but we do become participants in the divine nature, according to Second Peter chapter 1, that through these great precious promises, we become participants in the divine nature. Mm-hmm. And, and so they viewed the end goal of salvation as union with God, 
and 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 that transformation that climbing that mountain of ever increasing glory being transformed into the same image of Christ from one measure of glory to the next whereas the western church viewed salvation far more transactionally uh they the reformers emphasized uh, you know Martin Luther John Calvin those guys did a great job and it's important that we emphasize those aspects in our theology and understanding of of Christianity because the beginning of Christianity is it is it is justification. The Spirit of God draws us. Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was raised again on the third day for our justification. And 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 we are drawn by the Spirit to a place of faith. And when we when we exercise faith, belief, and trust in Jesus for our salvation, mm-hmm. we are justified just as if we had never sinned. And immediately there is a transaction where Christ on the cross became your sin and was punished on that cross and received the death that you deserved on that cross as if he had taken and committed all of your sins. And therefore, you are given and clothed with his righteousness just as if you had never sinned. Mm. And that's a beautiful transaction. Yeah. And that is the heart of of the of the gospel itself that there this this gift of salvation this gift of righteousness is given to us because through faith alone we're saved by grace through faith not of works lest any man should boast and that's essential but so what i'm trying to say is the western church emphasizes that to the point where it's like let's not if we add any kind of discipleship if we add any kind of well you need to pray if we add well then we might be drifting into works and but here but but the and you you can split hairs and say, uh, well you know a true Christian wants to do those things or a true Christian wants to do this. But what you see over and over again in the biblical text is not just that these things happen by chance. Paul is constantly calling, reminding them to pray, mm-hmm. uh, reminding them to go after these these things, and and reminding them of who they are in Christ. And throughout Scripture, you even see Jesus; they're teaching them spiritual practices, and and there and and there's this this call and this invitation to greater intimacy with God. And anybody who's lived a life with God, they thank God for the day that they were saved. And once again, I don't think that we should ever negate, like we said before. I think you know he he's he's addressing some things like in the American church where we we go much far, we we go much more in the way of the Western because we are Western church, as we do the way of Eastern. We don't see salvation as a journey in which we're constantly being transformed so much as a transaction in which we can come in and receive it and believe a set of doctrines and it's done. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is we say, well, which one's true? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's, it's, it's not either or it's both. And yeah, it begins with a simple faith transaction in which righteousness is imputed to you and you are justified. Thank God for that transaction. But if that transaction does not lead you into a relational transformation in which your salvation is being worked out on a daily basis, then it is not the full totality of the good news. Mm. The good news begins with Christ dying on the cross for your sins, being raised on the third day, and you 
placing your faith in him and you're saved by grace through faith not of works lest any man should boast and your prayer life beyond that is not what saves you or justifies you your works beyond that going to church uh, reading the Bible none of those things is, is, is not what saves you beyond that but the whole goal of your salvation in the first place for you to be justif- justified and reunited to God was for the purpose of those things so that now you could not just stand before God righteous but you could have union with God yeah. through a powerful relationship with him and so the way Western church actually called it the order of salvation. Like God, you, God was going to justify you, and then He was going to sanctify you, and then you know, and the, the, you're adopted in the beginning. Like there's these orders of things that happen within salvation, but the Eastern church saw it more as as not just the order of salvation, the way in which the the order in which things happened, but the way of salvation, so that it was a, a progressive journey on this road of salvation. Yes, you were justified in the beginning. And when you fall, you fall on the ground of that justification. But man, God is inviting you to follow him, to take upon uh, upon yourself his yoke, learn his yeah. practices, learn his ways, become a, a human of prayer and being dwelt with the spirit and learn to follow the spirit. So it goes from justification, you're climbing the mountain of sanctification, being transformed into the image of Christ through the spiritual practices. And then in the end, you meet Christ face to face and you enter into glorification where you and him are completely united and you are on this journey in this life where you're trying to get as close to that uh, end goal as you can right now yeah so i said a lot right then jeremy but but when you talk about the gospel you know paul says in first corinthians 5 what is the gospel he says this is the gospel i preached to you christ died on the cross for your sins and he was raised again on the third day and there was a bunch of witnesses that saw that but what does that mean mm. that means that when he died on the cross and he was resurrected one He's defeated sin for you. He's defeated death for you. He's defeated hell in the grave, and he has spoiled principalities and powers, and now he offers you eternal life, and the stamp of it, resurrection for your justification, has been sealed. So that means not only is that the gospel, and you believe in that, you're justified, you're saved, you can't add anything to that, praise God, but it also means that now not just what he did on the cross for your salvation is verified by resurrection, but what he did with his life is verified through that resurrection and he still calls us to follow him in that way of life beyond that. So that's the entrance point into now I get an invitation to participate in that very life. So, and I think that's what John Mark Comer here is trying to get at in this book. So he's not trying to ruffle any feathers except for the fact that he's saying, don't allow yourself, uh, your eyes to be blinded from this deeper participatory walk with God and Jesus called to come and follow him and say, well, you know, I believed in the transaction. I've got the transaction. I'm going to church now, and I believe a set of doctrines, and I say amen to that. But I'm not really interested in deepening my prayer life or learning to, to slow down or, or really learning to, to pray the scriptures, you know, any like or, or whatever, fast or, or, or evangelize people or, or learn to be spirit-led. Like, I'm not, no. Christ has so much more for you, yeah. and there's a greater greater relationship available to us. So, so we in no way would we negate the initial stage of justification or what the gospel is, or make anybody think that they should add these things to their life in order to be justified and saved. Right. That's not what it is. This is not works gospel. It it is it is it's. It's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do mm, because you have because you have been saved, yeah. and um, and so. But I do understand why people might bump up against 
some of their their thinking concerning that stuff. But but you know we want to look at it more holistically. And I said you know Paul viewed the gospel in those terms, but basically he's making an emphatic statement: if Jesus lived the life he lived, and then he we know he died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures, but he was raised again on the third day. Well, that's the entrance point into something far more dynamic for us. Yeah. And Jesus, when he preached the gospel, it says in in Mark one fourteen. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. At this particular point, Jesus was preaching the gospel, but he had yet not yet died on the cross for our sins, nor had he yet been resurrected, even though that would become the, the foundational piece mm-hmm. of the gospel. But Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and telling people to repent. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's within reach. Repent and believe in the gospel. Yeah. So repent, turn from your sin, and believe in the good news. What's the good news? I am here, and I have brought my kingdom with me. And he's teaching parables about the kingdom. And even within those parables, he's teaching you practices and ways of life and how to access the kingdom here on earth right now. Yeah. And he prayed, Father, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's saying, Repent, believe in my ways, believe in my practices. The kingdom is within reach. If you follow my ways and my practices, you can access the kingdom of heaven now on earth as it is in heaven. Now, thank God we get to access the fullness of the kingdom of heaven one day when we die. But that's not all that he was talking about. Yeah. So so you see that the gospel then is much broader than what we expect. There is a beginning point of Jesus Christ dying for our sins, us justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And, and you can't add anything to earn that salvation. You're not going to earn your salvation by praying more, reading more, et cetera, et cetera. But once you experience that justification, that salvation, now you have to understand that that gospel, it, it, it breaks out into the kingdom of God. And you get to live like Jesus in an invitation to walk with him in which he, in, he, he inhabits you and empowers you and transforms you. Mm-hmm. And so just, just, just expand your view and your vision of the purpose and the end goal of the gospel, not losing the doctrine of justification, but expanding on what is beyond that. Like I said, you know, in my small group this week, like justification is the front porch of the house of salvation. Mm. Like you, it, it, think, you can't get in the house if you don't step on the front porch, but, yeah. but it's just the front porch. Yeah, that's good. So I don't know. Did that make sense? Jeremy? Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense, and you know, simply put, I think sometimes just our understanding of what it means to believe is is sometimes you know messed up or not a hundred percent accurate. And, and and belief to us a lot of times it, it simply means that you agree mentally with yeah, something. Yeah, so, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, and and you know, the Greek word for for faith is pistis. There's a guy who wrote a book, and not everybody's going to agree with it theologically. Um, and maybe you shouldn't, but he wrote he wrote, and it's called Salvation by Allegiance Alone. And there's certain good Bible teachers today that talk about lordship, salvation, et cetera, et cetera. But like in Romans uh, ten, you know, for example, when it says that, basically, it's a very shortened version. Matter of fact, while I'm here, I might as well just uh, might as well just read it since I have a Bible in front of me. But this is kind of where we get, um, so so Romans 10, 10, you know, this is where we simplify salvation for people, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And it says, 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so this is why, you know, whenever we preach the gospel, we give people an opportunity to respond. And based on the word of God, we say, look, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Boom. You know, and for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's where we get the sinner's prayer from. Mm. And I'm completely fine with that. I've had people pray the sinner's prayer. I've had people tell me that when they raised their hand after I've asked them to, and they said that prayer, they felt a burden lift off their life. Right. So, yeah, we're, we're not negating that. But I can tell you personally that I prayed that sinner's prayer hundreds of times but yet what God needed to transform my life was 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 a, a repentance in my in my practices and my way of life. Yeah. That I needed to learn how to follow him and grow in sanctification because I had bondage in my life that wasn't going to be broken just by saying, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. And and so that there's a, a gr- even a greater element to it. Now I could mm-hmm. I, I might receive justification by that. But like you said, faith uh the word pistis, there's 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 old documents, for example, where where um, uh, military leaders of the time would use the same exact phrasing, metanoia and and pistis, which is 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 uh, uh, repent and believe, hmm. repent and believe. They would use the same phraseology sometimes. So basically, a, a military leader would come to a group of men and say, "Hey, turn to me and 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 believe." But 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 the word meant, "Give me your allegiance," hmm. and so. In the Roman culture in which Romans 10, 9, and 10, which I just read you, was written, in that culture, the Roman emperor, so he's preaching to Romans, obviously, or it wouldn't be called Romans, he's sharing this with them, you had to confess Caesar as Lord, essentially. So for you to confess Jesus as Lord and to believe in your heart was to literally give Christ your allegiance because when you confess that out loud publicly, you become an enemy of the state and your and your life is at risk. You're 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 likely going to be killed. So we just sort of weaken that down to where it's just like you can just say a quick prayer, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the thing: this is where I don't want to get too too hard on it. Like you can literally, you can just say a prayer, but the, but it is this thing in your heart where you where you come into that. That's the entrance point. Once again, now understand. That Jesus sent us, okay, that's the entrance point, but Jesus did not say, hey, go into all the world and get people to confess this prayer. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. And we make disciples. That is an entrance point. You believe in Jesus. Do you believe this message? You believe he died on the cross for your sins? You believe he was raised again from the dead on the third day? Amen. You confess Jesus as Lord. You are saved. Now come and follow him. Yeah. So that I mean that's where we're at. Yeah, it's kind. Of, yeah. I think it's kind of simple. So we we don't want to negate the initial stages of 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 this walk with Jesus, and we don't want to negate the doctrine of justification because it is essential to our faith and what we believe. Mm-hmm. But what this book is doing is it's it's challenging, just letting that be your stopping point, right? And, it's, and which it is for some yes, people. Yes. Yes. And 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 so and so th- th- it's just saying okay there's 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 beyond if you faith in Christ man is giving your allegiance to Him yeah and that means that you are my God I see how you lived I want to follow how you lived I want to live like you lived and I thank you for for my justification that 
You've imputed righteousness to me that I didn't deserve and I didn't earn. All I did was believe and you gave me that gift of, of righteousness. Thank you, God. Yeah. But now, with the salvation that I have, the justification that I have through faith alone in Christ alone, I want to learn your ways so that I become a weapon in the kingdom of God. Yeah. And I, want, and I want to be like you, Jesus. Yeah. I want you to consume my life. I want to be a fire for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I think it's good. The reward for following Jesus is Jesus. And that's what we're going to get into here, kind of launching into that. Um, yeah. But, I th- yeah, I think it's— I thought that was th- a 20-minute intro right yeah. there, and I just looked at the time. Sorry, well, guys. No, I think it's—well, <laughs> uh, through, through all this, I think it's good to— reflect and kind of you know look back and and try to you know make sure that we're we're all understanding properly and we're making sense of what we're reading because because that's what we want we we want to grow in all this and uh so yeah it's good stuff um but yeah so these next few pages i think we're you know it's only 10 pages this week's section but it's a really powerful um section um i i don't you know i think for me prayer uh it has not been what he describes here sometimes in my life yeah um because you know simply put a lot of times prayer and really even christianity even jesus i think can be whether we realize it or not uh, maybe it's intentional sometimes maybe maybe not but we go to god oftentimes for the things that we can get sure uh, versus him, j- just himself. Um, when we think about prayer, I have seen it oftentimes as me unloading and kind of telling God the things I'm going through and 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 letting Him know all the things that I want Him to to move in or to fix and to help. And and prayer has not been a time where I'm just going to hang out with my friend. Right, and 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 I don't mean that in a you know of course we 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 respect and we we have reverence for the Lord and we come into that you know um, with respect, but but just being and setting and resting in the presence of God, uh, just being with Him and and that being enough, is uh, a pretty honestly a new thing for me over the past few years uh, and learning what that that looks like and especially He talks about you know the. The fast-paced world that we live in—that's you know—we're distracted all the time, and we're very, you know, we're productivity obsessed, and it's you know, make money, work, 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 go, yeah. go, go. So, so the idea of stopping and resting, um, we can view that as a waste of time. Right. Well, we're, we're we are tuned by the world. And, and so our value system is usually tuned by the world, and we actually, you know, people. Hard work should be commended. Um, I, I mean, I think people should work hard. I think biblically there there is that. If you don't work, you you don't eat. Like that is an element of the life that we live in. But why we work and how we work and find to where it doesn't become our God is 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 important to understand. Because he talks about how we're so fast paced and productivity obsessed and just trying to get more and gain more. And what happens is time is money and money is God. Mm. And and so I want to give myself, not, not really to the kingdom of God or Jesus first and foremost, I need to give myself to money because that's the most important thing in my life. And Jesus, if I go to church on Sunday, maybe he'll help me get money 
and and bless my business and I can take care of my family and he'll protect my family while I'm grinding it out. Yeah. And and I think sometimes we can put a little bit of things first and when we think about prayer what we think is that's that's time that I could be getting stuff done. Yeah. You know, I I can't Clay you're crazy. I can't just take a day or I can't just take an hour. I just can't take that time uh to pray. And, and of course, he says, one guy says, you know, that prayer is, is wasting time on God. And the point that he's making is, you know, if you, you, you may feel like you're wasting time because the world's tuned you to believe that about prayer. But if you are wasting time, you need to waste your time on God mm-hmm. because there's so many things that we are actually. Oh, we waste time. Waste, waste. Time. We're wasting tons of time. I and mean, we'll spend hours yeah. on. So literally we'll have eight hours of screen time and then have the audacity to say, I don't have time to pray. Yeah. Like that's, that's who we are. That's who we've become. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think this, I, th- I think it's important to mention, and I, I believe he talks about it here too, but one of, when it's one, like you said, it's not that work is bad. <clears throat> it's not that being uh, busy and, and, you know, working hard and all that stuff is, is wrong. But I think the important thing there is that when we live a fast paced life and when we get caught up in that, the first thing to go is our time with God. It is, yeah. Uh, you, you know, and when we're in that life, that's that's what rather than, you know, something else taking a back seat, you know, uh, it's it's our relationship with God, our prayer time. It's those things that that's what takes a back seat when we're focused in on that that hustle and bustle type of lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We it it crowds that out. So cuz it's it's completely possible to be working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week, but you still have weaved into your life. I'm not giving up these moments with God right here. Yeah. And and put them and put him in a position where he's still first and you have a time of prayer and you have quiet time with him and then and then you work that into the rest of your day where you're aware of his presence. So these things are completely possible. It's just that our flesh says, well, if I can't do it this way, then I'm not going to do it at all mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And I think I think we need to try to 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 seek that out and and step into to true prayer and 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 try to experience that and have some conversation maybe even in our groups like you know I've I've told us several times before um, you know I think last year I challenged everybody to go take a prayer walk yeah and just test that out and see how you feel and you know yesterday I did that because I do the same thing we've been making trying to make plans for renovations here for the new sanctuary and it's kind of flooded my mind and I'll wake up with sort of like things that I need to do. And rather than being able to really focus in on taking my time in prayer sometimes, sometimes I'm like, well, I just need to get started on the day because i got to get a lot of stuff done. And and you'd be amazed at, like, for me personally, how, like, sermon preparation every week, every week, every week, every week, it starts to weigh on me and, and oddly enough, can creep into becoming more of, like, a a, ha- a, a burden than, than a gift and can even can even crowd out prayer, and that's one of the things he said when he this guy when John Mark Comer was talking about sitting down to pray the Psalms. He did. He said, "Notice I didn't say read the Psalms mm-hmm. because there's something about reading the Bible. There's something else about praying the Bible and engaging with God as you're going as you're as you're reading it, and and you're communicating with God through it. But he says that prayer is our primary portal to joy, and it's to become." The best part, not of just just our day, but of our life, the greatest gift we have given, and sometimes we're deceived in not really believing it, 
is this interaction, this communion that we get with God. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, prayer of any kind is always going to remain a chore or another task or on our religious to-do list until we come to realize that Jesus himself is the reward of prayer. And and so that's that's just friendship and intimacy with Jesus where he speaks to us. I mean, and that truly is the jo- our joy. There's so many things, you know, sometimes that I want to do, and I think, well, this will give me relaxation. But if I get to, if I go take a prayer walk, or I go into my closet and spend time with the Lord, all of a sudden in that moment, I think to myself, man, how could I have wanted anything other than this? How could I have wanted anything other than your presence and you speaking to my heart and you warming my heart? Like you, you, your spirit knows it. The spirit is willing and understands this is what it longs for, but the flesh is weak, mm-hmm. and the flesh is pulling you in different directions. So. Jesus said in John 15, you mentioned it. No longer do I call you my servants, but I have called you friends. Mm-hmm. And he wants that friendship and that, that intimacy with us. So what, what's, you know, what is your experience of prayer? Maybe you can, you can think about that. Like for most people, it's probably bored. And I would even say that most people that think it's boredom and distracting, you probably haven't lingered in it long enough. Like you probably have that it's your preconception mm-hmm. like i feel like it's boring but you've also probably not actually removed a lot of the distractions and got into a place where you actually start to practice it regularly yeah it's like a to toe, taste it it's like a toe in but you're not really fully dove yeah. in you're yeah. convinced it's bored in your mind boring in your mind but you've not actually yeah really really tried it out and tested it to see to see what it's about but and this is this section was powerful for me because it it almost gave me um it almost gave me like permission to like he goes into talking about you know finding your secret place um and you and and basically you know to end that first little section there he talks about you know if if, if you know when we talk about prayer this isn't your experience of prayer but it's been it's more it, it's been more boredom or distracting or scary when when things come up or you know things start to rise to the surface and the lord you know maybe puts a a finger on something uh it's really easy to get into you know uh shame and things like that and 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 realizing you're or maybe discovering like you know you this has been your experience with prayer and not not really knowing what to do um and and he encourages you and says you know the one non-negotiable rule of prayer is to keep showing up yeah and to keep at it and to keep after it um well and one thing whenever you do show up with jesus like if you've not been with the lord in a while it's it's like for example jeremy me and you're good friends if we don't hang out for a while when we meet up we're not like upset with one another you know what i'm saying we're yeah. just glad to see one another again yeah. that's the experience i get with jesus every time i meet with him it's not yeah. like well you've not been here in a while yeah it's it, he's glad to see me again yeah for sure because he loves me more than anybody loves me and so you keep showing up because you're showing up to the one that loves you more than you could imagine mm-hmm. and I, i'd like to read that section in 55 there just because yeah. on page 55 uh, because he says for years when i read about monks and nuns who gave up a normal life to do little else besides pray, he said, I'd think they were a little crazy. And some of them were. But what if we're the ones who are unhinged? What if we're the ones who are crazy? Because we would actually rather binge Netflix or go shopping or play fantasy football than commune with love-loving. 
Who, who would rather give the vast majority of our time to slaving away for some job that will chew us up and spit us out the moment we're no longer useful to the bottom line? Who choose to spend hours every day on our phones yet claim we don't have time for God? What if we're the ones who have lost touch with reality? who are wasting our lives on trivial things. Mm -hmm. So what if nuns and monks who gave up their normal lives to spend time with Jesus are not the crazy ones? What if we're the crazy ones? What if we're choosing trivial, inferior things to the very reason we were designed and created in the first place? Yeah. And I get, man, the, the, this, this, these things are challenging, like you said. And I think anytime you talk about prayer, there's this religious spirit that comes in to bring condemnation and shame. Yeah. But that's not the goal. This is not condemnation and shame. This is not trying to beat you up and make you feel bad to pray more. This is a constant loving invitation to say, I want you with me. That's what, Je- yeah. that's what Jesus is saying. He, he, for me, one of the things that is easy is I've gotten to know Jesus to the point that even when I stink spiritually, I know he loves me. Yeah. I know there's no condemnation. That, that, that helps me in my spiritual walk. Most people who know when they stink spiritually think the Lord's ticked at them. Yeah. And they, and they wallow in condemnation and self-loathing and I don't do enough. And then so they hear a word like this as a word of condemnation. Yeah. I hear this as a word of invitation. Yeah. I, and, I think that's good. That's what we need to hear it as is a, a word of invitation. And so, so, so how do you hear what God is saying to you? It feels like correction. I mean, I preach so many sermons, and I know sometimes I preach a little bit strong, and it's and it's it could be maybe even considered a little bit harsh. But so many sermons I preach, and I think to and and I think to myself, man, what an invitation. But sometimes people receive it as condemnation, yeah. and so I, I I try to work on that and get better at that because I want to always express the loving kindness of Jesus and the invitation that he offers us. And obviously, he loves us so much. It says that he, he, he disciplines and corrects those that he loves. He chastens those that he loves. Yeah. So there is discipline and correction. But, man, this is not a word of condemnation of how much you've not been doing. This is an invitation of I've got more to offer you. For sure. Yeah. And that first offering, like you said, is the secret place. Yeah, and it and it's he goes in and talking about um, – kind of the the introvert extrovert example and kind of and that's what I was saying before it was because sometimes I have felt I don't know just with my personality I am extroverted I'll be I've told you this before like when it comes to social media and like scrolling through TikTok and watching funny videos or whatever I I love that like I it's just entertaining Mm -hmm. so there's something about like all that and again I I know it's like a, a it's not good you know, you know that you know your soul's crying out for more, but you get engaged in these other things, and so sometimes for me, like when you hear about the secret place, and and I think about being in a closet by myself or a room, and just like that's it's really hard for me to like stay focused in that. And I'm I'm really not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying like some of the stuff I battle with, and because I, I think other people do too. Oh, um, yeah. and, and and but I like what he said because he gave an example of like. He talks about him being an introvert, and so he wakes up in the morning, gets his coffee, and, like, sits cross-legged and just kind of prays through some stuff and, you know, whatever, and that's how he does it. But he's got a buddy who, like, you know, wakes up, goes outside, you know, will do the same thing and goes on, like, a walk or whatever. Yeah. And I have found, like, since your invitation into that last year, I have found that for me, like, 
I really enjoy like a walk, like a prayer walk like that. It like just walking around and, and like talking out loud yeah. and, and doing that. And, and there was a part of me that felt kind of like guilty. Like because, and I even wrote this down here, sometimes I think we often feel um, the need to do everything exactly like everybody else, or otherwise it's not right. Yeah, and and he and he says in here, you know, some people have not, um, you know, right here it is. He says, but one reason so many people avoid the quiet is just because they have yet to find a way of being with God that is conducive to their personalities and stages of life. Yeah, because we're all on, we all do have different personalities. Some of us are single. Some of us are, are married without kids. Some of us have very young families. Some of us uh, have kids that are grown up and are, you know, in high school or they've, they've graduated and went out. So we're all in different stages. And so realizing that, you know, it, if you're finding alone time and you're getting in the quiet and you're removing distractions, that may look different externally to, to every, and so you have to find that for you and find that conducive way for your life and where you're at. And once you, cause when I found that just like walking around, man, it was, I don't know. It just clicked for me. It was much more, I could get in the zone or whatever better. And it wasn't like so boring or, you know, hard to, to keep, keep focused and things like that. Like if I'm walking and talking out loud and praying out loud, like to me, that kind of keeps me in like a, in my own lane i'm not like you yeah. know thoughts going crazy every which yeah. way you know so i don't to yeah. me that section was was really powerful and it was you know kind of gave me confidence in that and you know helped me to realize that there's you know finding your secret place which is the the title of this is um you know your secret place is going to look a little bit different than other people's maybe yeah and obviously, one of the reasons that's so important is because Jesus models that, which I've preached some messages on the secret place a couple of different times. Um, but but I kind of, you know, for me, my house is so small, I take that pretty seriously. I, there's a few different things I will do. Uh, I'll come, you know, I'll, up the other day I went, I, there's a place where I can go. I'm not going to tell anybody so they don't go there. But it's... Um, <laughs> It's kind of, you know, it's outside. So maybe I'll walk around outside at my house if, if there's not going to be too many distractions there. There often is. If I go to this place, yesterday I did this because I just needed a day to, like, pray and and, um, and let the Lord kind of speak to my. And by day I meant just really just a couple hours. I went to this place and, um, and just checked out for a minute, man, turned my notifications off on my phone, put it somewhere, and then, and I just started walking. And I'm just walking slowly, and I not. But for me, it's like the walking part is almost like releasing just any kind of negative tension that I've got. Yeah. And so you know, like my leg, you know, I get Jimmy leg. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I sit there with a little bit of nervous tension, but just walking, like it, it allows me. I don't even realize I'm walking, and then all of a sudden, I start to sense that communion with God, and I'm sharing my heart with Him, and the peace comes, man, and it's just so refreshing. And then, it, and I told you, like at one point. I start to get like, I get, you know, I, I get what I call like downloads for my sermons. I feel like the Lord uh, starts starts speaking to my, to my heart about things. I was, we're preaching this sermon series and I've got planned to preach. I I am the door here in a couple of weeks and uh, which by the time you're listening to this podcast, it may be that week. Uh, but, but 
he just started to pour some stuff into me, man. Mm-hmm. Scriptures come to my mind, and and uh, it just, and but I feel the spirit of God on it. And then you know he's just dealing with my heart about what's going on in our church and people in our church and how he's equipping people. I felt like I got a word for for somebody to encourage them in a ministry they're getting into right now, and and just in that place of prayer, uh, the Lord started speaking to me. But see those rhythms that that's something that Jesus modeled. So, yeah. so thank God that he saved us, but then he modeled a way for us. Yeah. And you see that he has this rhythm of, of retreat and return. Mm. He comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit after 40 days in the Ramos, in the wilderness, being tempted by the devil. He comes back in the power of the Spirit, but then he's ministering to people, healing the sick, preaching the gospel, doing all kinds of things. And then he'll tell his disciples, you know, you guys go on and he'll go up into a mountain and pray. And he goes in retreats, and then he comes back. And you see this rhythm of him getting alone in the secret place with God. And when they say, Lord, you know, teach us to pray, obviously he gives them a prayer model. But one of the things that he says is when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, and I think this shutting the door is you uh, turning off your phone, (laughs) making sure distractions are eliminated, getting finding an environment where you can cut out and eliminate distractions as much as possible. And pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You know, that's one of the reasons I don't have a hard time praying at this church. One, somebody's going to always be here lurking around, knocking on the door, messing with you. If, if, I go, if I go into the sanctuary and pray, something will break. <laughs> and then I'm and then I'm thinking like who do I got to call? You know, like how do we got to get this thing fixed? So you have to figure out where you can eliminate distractions. Yeah. And 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 get into a place where it's it's a place where it said it even says pray to your father who is in the secret place. That's where he's at. Mm-hmm. He's in the secret place waiting on you to come in there and Jesus taught us this 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 practice of retreat and return going going to be alone with the father and uh and getting with him so learn to spend some time in in the secret place I literally like I said I'll either prayer walk somewhere and I've got one one of the chairs dark kitchen table in my closet you know mm-hmm. and I'll go in that closet and I'll sit down in there at night when people went to bed and Andre and Naomi's been to bed and I'll I'll just take some time to be with the Lord. Yeah. So, you know, look, try to try to find your secret place. Go there as often as you can. Prioritize it, and fall in love with God in there. Yeah. In whatever way that looks like. And this is, you know, again, to, this is absolutely essential. Um, the, you know, he, he says here this practice from the life of Jesus has come to be called the spiritual discipline of solitude, silence, and stillness. And he quotes Henry now and there, and he says, "Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life." So, if we ever expect to, um, you know, live a life practicing the way, following the yeah. way, being with Jesus, we have to implement some of this. And uh, I, I don't know. I really love this right here. There's a story about uh, Henry now and there, and he's going to ask Mother Teresa for spiritual direction and her advice was uh, spend one hour a day in adoration of your Lord and never do anything that you know is wrong. It's pretty powerful. <laughs> it's pretty so, solid. So simple, so solid. And like, But just imagine you know, if you did spend one hour yeah. a day in adoration of Jesus. Yeah. You know, you're going to be empowered to, hey, I know that's wrong, better not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> we make it complicated sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so the last section here, he wrote a book on the ruthless elimination of hurry. So he's got like two pages where he just reinforces that reality because he understands that hurry is one of the great, um, one of the great hindrances to the spiritual life. And he says that the call to apprentice under Jesus is a call to not do more, but to do less. Yeah. And, and to create margin and space you know, this is something that's so interesting to me. Like, I, I thought about this the past couple of weeks because of the past couple of weeks I've been, I've been a little bit anxious about certain things and decisions I've had to make or whatever, what, this and that. But I've intentionally taken a couple of days in the week to focus in more on just connecting with Jesus and not thinking about that junk. And And I've noticed on those days, it's like I think more about other people. And all of a sudden people are... Whereas when I'm anxious and worried and got all this stuff to do, it's like I'll have people right in front of me, and I, but I'm not loving them well. I'm not thinking about how can I pray for them, how can I reach out to them. And I think the problem is we don't, we don't create margin for God, and we don't really create margin to love other people either. My life should have enough margin in it, one, for God, but it should also have enough margin in it to love people well. Yeah. And I don't always create that margin. It's like then I start to see people coming into my life as a distraction and a burden, man, and that's not good. So I have to find that space. Even though I wasn't giving my time, I was giving my time to God instead of that stuff. It was a, It's a spiritual practice for me to be able to say, that stuff's still going to be there when I get to it, and I'm not going to let it worry me to death. Yeah, It's still going to be there. That's hard for me because I feel like it's just looming over me, and I've got to figure out how to take care of it now. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know, sometimes I feel bad because people will send me messages or whatever, and I want to talk to them, on, but I, they're kind of like number four on the on the list, so to speak, and I can't get to them. And then, and then maybe I start to sense, gosh, man, and I get anxious about it. Yeah. But if I get with God all of a sudden that burden lifts and I'm like, I have a source from which now I can respond to those people and I can even say, hey, sorry, it took me a minute to get back with you and pour into it Mm -hmm. and feel really good about it. Does that that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so, so, so I think it's, again, it's not about doing more, it's about doing less. So my point is when I do less in order to get with the Lord and just set that stuff off, it actually cultivates more in me. Yeah. If it makes if that makes sense, so and and definitely better quality. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know? I'm I'm more kind. I'm more patient. Like uh, I, I I feel the fruits of the spirit being produced more in my life. I I'm, I get home and rather than being anxious about something, I'm like I'm more present, and and that's that's what we all want. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we're trying to get. So yeah, and this is a big topic. You know, he he, he says basically calls it the elephant in the room. Yeah. You know, that the vast majority of us have far too much going on to add Jesus into our overly busy schedules. And he even goes on and, you know, talking about as they were starting this um, initiative here, you know, of practicing the way, he sit down with different folks. And some of the stuff that they had told them was, you know, it's all good and everything. But the number one problem <clears throat> you will face is time. He said, because most people are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually vibrant lives. That's crazy. And it, it really is. And and just yeah. like you said, it sounds, you know, counterintuitive. But when you when you do less, <clears throat> you experience more. Yes. You know, and that goes against everything we think 
Yeah. But it's it's the truth. Well, and, you know, in the old covenant, like he even mentioned Sabbath because he's a big guy and a proponent of Sabbath. And again, yeah. here this is he gets a lot of flack from this because what what people get scared of, oh, he's back into the works, he's back into keeping old covenant commandments. That's not what he's saying. He's what he's saying is, you know, in the old covenant, you had to keep the Sabbath because that that was your obedience toward God and your form of being righteous before God if you practice the Sabbath. But Jesus even comes along and says, look, basically, I am the Sabbath. I'm the fulfillment. I am that rest which you were looking for. So it's not about you just adhering to a 24-hour period in order to experience righteousness from God in order to keep that commandment. He says that man was not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. It was a gift to man. But even in the Old Covenant, you remember how many years they spent, um, I can't remember the, basically it was, they were supposed to rest the land every seven years. Mm-hmm. And for 490 years, they didn't, they didn't rest, they didn't rest the land. So that was like, ended up being, you know, how many, how many ever seven years they didn't practice the Sabbath resting the land. Right. That was the amount of time that they went into exile into Babylon. Mm. And basically one person said is if you don't practice if you don't practice the Sabbath, the Sabbath will ultimately come for you. And the the, the point is true is like if you don't if you don't learn to follow rhythms of, of rest and connection with God, then ultimately it's gonna it's gonna take from you. Yeah. Rather you know, we we live we think, oh well we need to work more. We need to work more, produce more, do more, do more, do more. And in, in reality, what we're doing is we're we're doing far less in the kingdom of God. Yeah. But if we trust God and say, God, I'm going to give you this day, all of a sudden you see poof, the blessing hit Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like like that. So it's not we're we're not practicing Sabbath from a religious legalistic standpoint. We're practicing it as a gift that God has given us to flood our lives with Himself yeah. and learn to rest and disconnect from this world to stop, to cease from our laboring and our striving and to connect to the one who can actually do all things. Yeah. And and so And it just makes sense, yeah. man. Like like you know, to any, like, just try it, for example. Like, you know, wh- what would you say is better? Like, you going throughout a full week where you're, you're miserable, you hate your job, you're aggravated with your spouse and your kids, and you just got this going on and that going on, and you're, you know, you're going, 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 going. You go to church on Sunday, and it's a, it's a repeat. And before you know it, a year's passed by, and it's just the same rhythm. Yeah. Versus you actually, okay, God, I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to spend some time with you. Whatever day that, that looks like, whatever, you know. And then before you know it, you go into work, you work on Monday, and it's like, like you said, you you see the people that's there. You see the opportunity that's there. All of a sudden, you have you have peace that you, you didn't have before. Yeah. You, you have a newfound sense of, of purpose and direction and, and, and what you're going through. And when the hardships come, you know that, there's yeah. someone there with you going through it and you're able and then also when there's times of like like even little things like getting together with your friends and fellowship and having dinner you're able to experience it in like rather than sitting there and, and dreading tomorrow or what you got to do next week like you're able to be present and enjoy really fully enjoy the people you're around and so yeah, it, it just it just clicks and it just makes sense that you know it's it's better it's better to go into your week like that into your days like that 
being fueled. And and I love the again the language he used of, you know, kind of breathing in, breathing out kind of thing. You retreat and you get filled up so that you can go back out into yeah. your world, your relationships, and you can pour out. And but you have to have that rhythm. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just exhausted all the time yeah and you can start to sense that like i i know when i'm like i need a i need a minute yeah you know i start to sense that and i need to get along with god i need to, i need to just prioritize that and and make sure i spend time and then i come back refreshed strengthened yeah. with something to pour out yeah. and uh and and that's that's so important so i mean this is again this is what jesus invites us into and we need to pray lord help us Help us do these things. Help us mm-hmm. bring these practices into play. Teach us what it means to, to to rest in you. Teach us what it means to go to the secret place. And Holy Spirit, show us that way. Help us to say no to all of the distractions that are that are frivolous and not helpful. Help us to say no to those things so that we can say yes to you in so many different areas of our life. That's 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 our prayer, and I believe that the Lord's going to help us continue to move into that so that we can become the people that he's called us to be. Amen, buddy. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I encourage you to give, give these things a try. Uh, we love you, and we'll talk to you on the next one.